Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos Fathomless, a D&D podcast set in the world of Fialor. I'm your Dungeon Master Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie, playing Tibble, Mitch, playing Neris, Joe, playing Alton, Jake, playing the Fishman, and Laura, playing Rue. Let's jump into it. Where we last left off, the party were reeling from the combat against the Sin Seekers, in which Tibble was significantly wounded, leaving him barely holding on to life. Meanwhile, when the Sin Seekers, who weren't the one who was jettisoned into the ocean, teleported away, Janus remained with his former crew. The party dealt with the aftermath of that fight and the return of their former ally before the members of the Red Phoenix departed and the two ships went on their separate ways. We are probably at this point into the evening of the ship. Is there anything getting into the night that anyone would like to cover? Tibble is basically holed up in an intensive care of sorts, but of course, Eddie, feel free to interject with any of your secondary characters. It's still about three days travel to get back to Ankathir, where you'll be able to get some well-needed rest, but for the time being, you'll have to make do with what you can. I think, at least at the moment, the first couple of things that Neris would like to do, <clears throat> being the quartermaster and not having a first mate, at least at the current moment, mm. the role of second in command would fall to him. So Neris has immediately jumped on top of sort of allocating roles to people. He would have made another course correction by correspondence with Fishman. Because uh, I think just before the Simseekers attacked, Neris had asked to plot a course to the facility where Janice and Anna were mm. kept. So he would have a chat to Fishman and request that to essentially be vetoed, but still making like a decent path around the last known location of mm. Uthron. So we would like to, as safely as possible plot a quick course back to anchor there. Neris has remained at the helm really like since that battle finished, only ducking into his room like a couple of times to have a chat with Janice and um, and see how the crew's going. But he's made a very distinct effort to be as visible as possible. Alston would very much not be being visible to the crew. He would have held himself in uh, Tibble's quarters and would just be putting all of his focus into caring for Tibble. Trying to, he would um, be trying to like look into his medical status to be like, all right, is there any danger of like 
damage to his heart or like puncturing any organs like he'd be like looking into that as best mm. he could he would also be trying to convene with Abu and Sia um to see if they've got just to really get everyone's input to see if they have any knowledge on this kind of injury and yeah he would be uncharacteristically unpetty and very serious about it he, he's very brusque and like blunt as always yeah i think see uh, every now and then we'll float into tibble's room alton usually trailing her there are some mice or a couple of doves that are nesting either somewhere on her person or nearby if she's stopped for a moment and whether you find it helpful or not she'll generally look tibble over any thoughts on his condition so generally in answer to any questions about his condition or any sort of feedback on your own input into his current status is met with vague unrelated remarks so for example you may have asked her how's he doing what's his condition she would have answered the sun rises still in the sky and it will set good to know so he will still be here when it sets maybe that is up to him and then she'd float off to do something else and if you have rat with you one of the mice that follows her around stands up and squeaks at rat i would say that rat has actually been spending a fair bit of time scurrying around the place but also he's nestled next to tibble's head and has been like sleeping there and just like giving Tibble a bit of a sniff every now and then. Rat grumpily raises his head, blinking sleep out of his eyes, and then does some squeaks back at the, this rat. The mouse, after a couple of authoritative squeaks, would run off, and in passing, it kind of looks like a reflection of the conversation that just happened between Sia and Alton. To answer your earlier question as well, Rue was, of course, tasked by Sia to take care of Kara. As described earlier, he would have led her down to his little room and tried to make her as comfortable as possible. Obviously, Rue can't sign or anything like that, so he would just be talking to her or just, like, have, like, that noise even if she isn't indicating she's listening. But he would have been preparing, like, he has a lot of little different bundles and he sort of would be plucking those down as he prepares the tea for her. And a little example of that would be something like, So, I have chosen a few things. I noticed you were a dab hand at this when I last visited you in your husband's room. So please, Kara, feel free to offer any feedback of any kind, or remain silent if that assists. I will not mind. This will be a blend of linden flower for the heart and mind. We had one of these growing outside the hospital at Akarin. Either way, linden flower for heart and mind. Lavender, a personal favourite to calm the nerves. And honey, to strengthen the body and sweeten the temperament. I must apologise. I did temporarily borrow the honey from the galley stores. I apologise for my transgression. Please, feel free to take, or even just to hold, to calm you. If you wish to talk in your own fashion, I will listen. We can sit in silence. Ham is a very good listener, even when you say no words at all. So, Kara... She takes the tea and she drinks it. And for the next hour, she is 
silent, her hands unmoving. After an hour, she pulls out her notebook and she starts writing. And after a while, she will hand it back to you. Through some of it, you see some tears fall down and you start to read. I love my husband. I love him beyond comprehension. I will always, always love my husband. He deserves so much more than anyone here knows. He saved my life. He gave me a voice when mine was taken from me. He gave me a home when mine was denied. He gives so much and so much is taken. And I hear what they say. They don't think I do, but I do. And who am I to tell them that they're wrong? Who am I but a girl that would kill and die for him as he has done for me? I'm so angry, Rue. I can't even pick who I'm angry at. I was told as a kid I needed to be strong. I needed to be hard and firm and stay away from the things that made me weak and soft. And he, most of all, he let me be soft. He let me be all the things I was told I wasn't allowed to be. Maybe if I was strong and tough, I could have helped. I could have protected him. But maybe I wouldn't have been here at all. Maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. Maybe I'm not angry at all, but no, that's not right. I'm furious at those fucks that took Janice that would do that to Tibble. The crew for not being able to save him. At Janice, even though I shouldn't be, even though it's not his fault. At Cerise for attacking us those weeks ago. At Lorraine for all of the things she said to and about my husband even though he's only ever been kind to her. But really, I'm not angry at any of them. Truly, I'm just scared. I'm more scared than I ever was before he came into my life. I didn't think it was possible. How, in any of the planes, can I look up at the sky if I can't see the stars in his eyes shining back at me? And that is where the letter ends. And Kara, as you read, she's not really watching you. She's holding what is now a empty teacup, looking out one of the port windows. Brood reads all of this expressionless, and then look over at Kara and will very carefully and gently pick up their journal and they very carefully hold it out to offer it to her. I have only written a few words. If it pleases you. Kara looks to you and wipes at her cheek and she signs something to you and then kind of shakes her head and takes the notebook. My apologies. I must learn your song. And then, um... She looks <laughs> so soft at that. And then Brewer's written... I believe you being here makes an immeasurable difference. And your anger at many and all is understandable. Never a son of anything beyond what is kind and true to you. If you need to speak of these things, please speak of them to me, and I will return the kindness that your husband will when he is better again. Kara reads quietly, and then she takes her notebook again and scribbles a few things very quickly. 
can I ask if I can stay here while he recovers? I don't want to see him like that. And then a few lines down, she says, thank you for taking the time to write this down. It's unnecessary, I can't hear you. Maybe I can teach you some of my song. Rudin nods. Excellent. I will tell her not to snore. The bed has not been having much use anyway. I do not sleep. But I can stand outside if that is a little unsettling for you. I understand your reasoning, and I would be more than happy to entertain you during this time. And then Rook very carefully reaches out a spidery hand to her. She takes your hand and pulls herself up with it walks up to Rue and mind you she's three feet she comes up to maybe Rue's waist and she just very gently wraps her arms around Rue's legs and gives them just a soft cuddle and I don't know whether Rue would be able to tell whether it's for him or whether it's for her. Fishman probably would amongst his duties helping Neris and the crew generally would probably check in with Janice so Janice would have, after leaving Neris's office, like, because, yeah, the whole ship is this flurry of movement and action and probably a lot of whispered conversations as people catch one another up with that. And Janice, over time, while people have been doing all these things, gotten quieter and has, with, like, a lot of care, gone back up to the top deck where he was rooted to before and picked up his glaive that he dropped on the ground. And then he has just looked around at the hive of activity that the Polaris is, even as the sun has set and the dark clouds of the evening are rolling in. And he found the quietest part of the ship and sort of set himself up there. He is now standing and just looking out at the sea with the glaive at the ready. Cool. Fishman will probably rock up. It's beautiful, isn't it? The sea or the storm? Both two sides of a coin equally as powerful as each other that is true it is the life thought that Shognesh brings across the isles and across the land and Janice does regard Fishman I don't blame you I can see you're quite guarded why you have chosen a very quiet part of the vessel my that easy to read right now you are <laughs> I suppose I've left myself quite open for a bit too long Vulnerability is not bad. It shows that you are, well, for lack of a better term, human. But how are you? This has been quite a day for all of us. But I can't even imagine how you would be feeling right now. It is difficult, I suppose. As you said earlier, this may well have been the slaughter of the Polaris. As it is, it was only the captain. Have they spoken of how he is? They have optimistic and positive. We shall see, I suppose. If you don't mind me asking, do you intend to stay? I suppose it depends on whether I am welcome here or not. It has been a long time, after all, since I last tread these boards. I believe that this crew has a lot of respect for you, Janice. Whilst it may be a bumpy one, I believe you will find a home on the Polaris again. And then Fishman will probably make his way to some kind of railing or something to press his back up against and slide down and sit down, mm. facing Janice. And 
So, why the captain? That I do not know. It was deemed necessary by the Sin Seekers or by their leader, but I don't know why. I fear if information is what people were hoping for, there is not a great deal to be had from me. I was used for muscle and carnage. It isn't all you do, Janus. I hope you know that. Some of the fondest memories on this vessel usually involve you spinning some tales. I sorry, I shouldn't say spin. Sometimes it seems like you are, but Well all good tales have embellishment in them. Hmm. Was there really a giant crap? There really was a giant crap. Claws as big as oars. In fact, there were two of them. They had these ridged horns along them, but I'm pretty sure their claws could have torn holes in the hull, and it caused a great deal of trouble, but you know, I, um, I tore them off and I beat him with them. That was definitely true. It all really happened. There you go. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but you've brought a smile to my face almost immediately. This is what we miss. A story and a tale. Of a great person, a great father, a great bosun. It is much appreciated, friend. We shall have to go for a swim again sometime. Not tonight, of course. I need to keep an eye out. There are circumstances that may occur. Is there anything that I can help with? Just let me know if any of the sin seekers come back. So I'd like to readjust the hold he has on the glaive and stamps it on the deck of the ship a few times and bears his teeth. Well, look to the horizon then. We shall see what comes. Let's perhaps take it day by day. Night by night. Speaking of which, there's a slightly complicated matter. Sleeping arrangements. I believe that your room has been used temporarily. It might not be convenient to make that available right away. I'm sure we can work something else out. And your things have been safely stored as well. Never mind. I won't be sleeping tonight. I'd be happy to accompany you for most of the night. That is a kind of a friend. Knowing you are also watching will be a great comfort. Whilst it's not that I don't trust, I don't particularly want you being alone for your own sanity right now. Even if there was no trust there, I would not blame you. But I appreciate the support. At his earliest convenience, he would have asked Neris where Janice's things are, if there's anything that they could get. And Neris would respond with where it all is. It's all in the captain's quarters, and it would be easy enough to get a hold of. Maybe just some sentimental shit, like family photos, or if there's anything like that. And also just some basic sleeping supplies. And he'll probably return to Janice and go, I am really glad you are back. I am glad to hear it. I would miss spinning many of my tales to you after all. I've got some time and some paper if you wanted to spin me some more. <laughs> Have I told you the time that I once navigated a typhoon while um, only armed by a magnetic needle that I was using as a compass? I don't believe I've heard that one. Alright, so <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. Well, I think we come to the next morning after a night of rest for most. Let's just, unless there is reason not to, roll this all together. Is there anything folks want to do in the two and a half days left of Journey at Sea back to Ankathir? So very early the next morning, most of the night Neris has been either out on the main deck, maybe not manning the helm, but definitely standing next to it. 
just sort of keeping an eye on what's happening and just sort of writing a few notes and going over different scenarios in his head. Early the next morning, he's going to issue a few commands. He's going to first check in on Alton and just ask if there's anything else that they need, like supplies-wise or anything. We could do with a few more medical supplies. Possibly when we stop by port. Might see if I can find some more things that might help our captain. Of course. The Polaris oh. treasury is open too. Oh, thank you. I'll write down any um, inventory of anything that I need. Throughout today, do you require the use of Seer? Where do you ask? I would very much like to retask her while we are sailing through these dangerous waters. Of course. You seem to be stepping up well, by the way. Everything going all right up above board? I am performing the duties that are required to me. I believe everyone is uh, being required to step up. Unfortunately, such instances do require people to show what they are capable of. Yes, that's very unfortunate. This was allowed to happen to begin with. Let me know if you need anything from me. I'll be here trying to keep the captain alive. Thank you for your efforts as well. Yes, well, see what I can do. He looks rather stressed. Neris opens his mouth to say something, but then will stop and almost think better of it and just kind of rub one of his eyes. Ah, very well. I will retask see if. You know, uh, I do seem to act an awful lot like the ship's daughter, despite not having that position, technically. Neris will crack sort of a half-wry smile, but it's not to respond at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, do drop in if you want to visit. Either of us, really. And if you look over at Tibble, you'll see Rap curled up next to him, kind of perks up his ears, waking up, seeing Neris, and he just scuffles down and walks over and just takes a little nip at his pant leg. <laughs> And Naris will give a nod, turn on his heels, and walk out. And throughout the morning, there's a few different things that Naris would like to do. He would like to have that mobile harpoon at the front of the ship. He would like to have a rotating watch of two staff members at a minimum at all times. One focused on outward threats and one keeping an eye on Janus just in case anything was to happen. Because if the Sin Seekers do return, Neris believes that will be their target. So we want advanced warning if they're trying to get to Janus. He wants to ask Sia to spend the day on the main deck attempting to locate any form, however weak, of that connection that she has had previously to Uthron. And if we do have any of that connection, to notify the captain immediately. And then Neris will continue to remain a presence on the main deck for the rest of the journey. Alton would check up on Kara at some point. So, Kara, over the coming days, when she's not with Rue, she is in the kitchens working. I guess Alton comes in with, like, a bottle of alcohol that he sourced somewhere, and he's like, Kara, thank you for... Um... 
looking after the kitchens and everything right now. Look, I brought you this. Don't really drink myself, but this is the usual way people... She gently takes the bottle and then she signs thank you and she places it up on the counter. Usually she'd have her notebook on her. It's sitting at one of the benches on the other side of the room. But after having a quiet moment with you in silence, she gets her notebook and she brings it over and she just writes, how is he? He's holding up. Apologies, how much detail did you want? She's quiet for another moment. She writes again and it's just another question. Are you resting? I've been getting some of the uh, cabin crew to keep an eye on him while I rest. But uh, you can rest assured. I promise that I will do everything I can to make sure that he recovers. She looks up at you and she's probably a bit hard to read. And she has been this entire interaction in a way that is probably pretty unfamiliar to you in particular. She's always very open and quite open emotionally with you as well. And she signs your sign name. And then it looks like she's going to sign something else, but instead she writes, you've been good to my husband, Alton. All I need and all I want from you as a friend is to make sure you're taking care of yourself too. It's what he would have wanted. It's what he would want. Alton just looks a little baffled by this initially. She frowns and grabs her notebook again and she underlines this as well and she's like, it's what I want too. Inside joke. You can do that. Um, (laughs) A dirty 20. Awesome. (laughs) You can see that she has actively been trying to hide her emotions from you, Mm -hmm. but with the quiver as she's writing, I think maybe part of the facade drops a little bit. You can almost feel coming off her. It's a feeling of guilt. She feels guilty that she isn't the one taking care of him and that she can't take care of him. Arkham just kind of takes a moment and then realisation hits. I will look after Tibble because it's my job and because I have some regard for Tibble, of course, but I'm quite new to this ship. And the people that work the best as medics are people with some level of distance I am the most logical choice to care for Tibble as someone who can make that emotional distance. Arton is trying so hard to be subtle. <laughs> this is yeah. not natural to him. You He's- see her shoulders sort of slump and she becomes unreadable again. Mm. And as you sort of stop speaking and peer out, She turns to you and she doesn't have any particular look on her face, but she just signs, thank you for the wine. And she seems almost dismissive of what you're saying to her. It's the least I could do. Let me know if you ever want, I don't know, a game of cards or something. She, without saying anything else, gets back to the work in the kitchen. Enjoy the wine. 
Uh, you know where to find me. She doesn't respond, but as you sort of turn to leave, she does look up at you and she seems less hard to read in the brief moment that she does look at you. I think what you can see is just sadness and fear. And she gives you a small, very weak smile, almost a peace offering. And as Elton is walking across the deck, the extremely tall, dark, spidery shape of Rue kind of goes, Oh, Mr. Elton, my apologies that I have not spoken earlier. I was attempting to ruminate. I would like to apologize for my scattered demeanor earlier. When the injury occurred, it was unhelpful in a crisis situation, and you had a very level head. Thank you for the apology. It does take quite some time to uh, become level-headed in a situation such as that. Yes, the biggest crisis situation I have been involved in, typically, has been someone spraining or breaking their ankle, so you can imagine. However, I have conferred with my books, and ribs on their own can be healed, as we know. The only issue is time. I'm an adequate pain control is crucial, so Master Tibble can continue to breathe deeply and avoid further sickness. Oh, it's good to hear someone actually using some medical terminology and researching conditions. In regards to pain, I can assist if it is magical, but this is an unusual circumstance as I do not have my full stores of medicine. That was left behind on Acker and I did not see it necessary to restock, given the Polaris is in abundance of medical assistance. This was a mistake, and I will bring better practice in the future. Is there a way I can assist you? I do plan to renew the supplies once we dock. I suppose we could get a few for you as well. But yes, you could come and assess Tibble's condition. I could run you through what is occurring. So I've had a little bit of experience, usually stabbings or beatings or mining accidents back in the day resulted in similar injuries. I see. Then this will be most informative. I was curious about the level of your medical training. It's not very long. I have only been awake for 18 years so far. Do they have a medical institute at Akron Island? Not particularly. My mentor was a great man of science. Huh. Elton's coming to a realization. He's like, did you go to any university or medical institute? No, I have read about them. So, you're not a doctor either? I am a doctor, that is what my mentor has titled me. I know how to perform surgery. Oh, really? And Alton was looking like smug as hell. (laughs) So, did you know that the term doctor can only be granted if you go to an accredited medical institute? Now that is strange. I mean, it is a stupid concept, so most of those institutes are immensely expensive. That doesn't make much sense at all. No, it doesn't. Why would you charge a fee to learn how to heal the sick? Exactly, it's all very stupid. But there's a fun little bit of information. Healer Rue, let's go down and check on Tibble. Hmm. 
was wondering, would Neris have, like, given an address to the crew at all or, like, talked to people about, I mean, what's happened with the captain, but also, like, Janus being here? So he hasn't as of yet. So, yeah, the vibe is very awkward. Yes. There will be an address, but Neris wants to speak with Janus first. So at some stage, Neris will find Janus. Are you free to talk for a moment? Of course. And he just grins, his sharp teeth. Why is it Polaris? Uh, so Janus for a moment adjusts, so he puts like the glaive on the back of his armor, so that kind of locks in place, and then he folds his arm as he turns back and cocks his head to one side. I suppose the crux of the matter is, I don't know. Yesterday morning, we were summoned by what I can presume is the leader, who is not Cylonon, but someone else entirely. And we were tasked with returning to the Polaris and killing the captain. I fought long and hard, resisted for many nights and days and weeks. I was beaten and cast aside and brought back to the brink again and again and again. Sort of embarrassing. But here I am. And there to all days. Alive. Yes. I had a few more questions, if you don't mind. Please. I'm all ears. Silenum. Was his name always Silenum? No. He was named Silas, I believe. We served on a ship together. He was just as charismatic then. Extremely persuasive. He didn't look the same. I think how he looks now is probably the truth. Maybe. Who can ever tell what faces we wear if they are the truth or not? Can I ask you a question? Of course. Did you all really try? When they turned up, I mean, I asked Tibble to go get you and no one came. Neris looks upset and he responds with, Please understand. Captain Clover was doing what he thought was best. Because of that, we were not informed that you were being taken until I walked into the room as you were gone. Janice also looks upset, and the only way you can really tell is the hand tremor that he has seems to be a lot more apparent in this moment. Once we get to Ankithia, everything will become a lot clearer. I have taken some precautions for the safety of the Polaris and its crew, yourself included. I do not believe they will attack again in a three-day period. They're down two members, and they will need to plan and think and strategize. They strike me as a somewhat intelligent group, and sometimes intelligence can be stagnating. You must know, but you were mentioned specifically before the Sin Seeker's most recent mission. As you know, we were tasked with killing Dibble and doing what we liked with all of the crew except for you. For some reason, whatever their goals may be, our potential of peace has got the interest of these Sin Seekers. And you remaining alive is instrumental for them. How interesting. Well, I'm sure that is <clears throat> not dangerous at all, and all will be revealed in time. As things always are. If there is anything that you need 
during your time aboard the Polaris before we arrive at Ankesea. Do not hesitate to let me know. Ah, yes, actually. And then he suddenly looks a lot more sort of like wrung out in a way. You're the one to speak about surely's application, right? I was halfway through finishing it. As the quartermaster and acting captain, I currently have the privilege of being able to sign off on both of the signing areas, so yes. Good. I'll, um, I'll be in touch about that then. Was that all you needed to know of me? That is all. Thank you very much. Good. And then he kind of always shifts back into his previous demeanor. And then with the general bravado that he had before he left, he clasps a hand on Neris's shoulder, warm and firm. We have always had different paths aboard the Polaris, despite our similar origins, but I believe we've worked together well in the past, have we not? I can only hope we can perhaps rebuild this in the future. I should very much like to become closer, Quartermaster. Captain... Time will tell, Bowson. Neris will give a nod, and we'll walk back to the helm. Just quickly, so at a certain point, while things are bustling about, between Rue conferring with Alton, I presume Alton shows them around, and like perhaps they just sort of discuss how they might actually be able to work together to some degree. But at a certain point, during the return to Ankathir, Rue is crossing the deck and is approached by Janice. Who calls out, oh, Rue, was it? I hear you're something of a medic, yes? And then Rue turns, skin inclines their head. They haven't paid no attention to Janice this entire time because they don't know who he is, they have no connection to him. And they just kind of nod and go, that is correct. Yes, I am a doctor, that is true. And then Janice, with this unreadable expression, which means nothing to Rue because Rue also has no kind of discernible expressions, this goes, well, that is excellent luck then. I'm in need of a designated medic. Well, that is difficult as I'm not a designated healer of the Polaris, except in exceptional circumstances. Well, that's excellent then. I mean, I'm not yet a member of the Polaris right now either, not really. And well, you're new here. Not one of the people that were here before, right? That's the point, you see. And no one's really seeing this, but... There's a particular degree of desperation behind that warm asthma glow of his eyes. And then Rude regards him for a very long moment and goes, Oh, I see. Well, I am very familiar with patient doctor confidentiality. Did you wish to speak in private then? And Janice just grins and they both head off to speak alone. So, unless there are any other moments of note, we'll skip ahead a couple of days to the 22nd of Ketathil. Folks, you have returned to Ankathir. Tibble is slowly getting better, but he's probably still going to need about a week more of rest before he's in any state to be up and about again. But... Other than that, your time in Ankathir is yours to do as you wish. It's just, at some point, someone is going to have to report to the heads of the Hydra. Well, 
Neris's first point of call is sending a runner to Ankathir's hospital or medical centre and requesting professionals come aboard the Polaris to begin care on Tibble and potentially moving him to a facility that is not constantly moving with the ebb and flow of the tide. You can probably get a capable moving team of essentially paramedics to board the ship and carefully transport Tibble. So you're probably looking at four people, so you're probably looking at about two gold for the time it would take. That's not including any costs of medical care, although there is an extent to which that that is just covered pro bono, because medical care should always be covered pro bono. Well, then Neris would ask for Alton to relay everything that has been done so far with Tibble and any recommendations that he thinks or like how everything happened, just passing on medical documents, basically. Yes, of course. Uh, we get back to our duties. Uh, he looks a little bit torn. As captain, do you want me on the ship rather than with Tibble? We do not have the facilities on board the Polaris to take care of this sort of trauma. And while I do not doubt your medical skills, we do not have the equipment. Would you agree on that aspect? Yes, yes, I would agree. I'm not the expert in this regard. That's the right decision. I'm hardly a great medic as it is. Has Kara been informed about this? Kara is free to do as she deems fit. I have not had a chance to speak with her personally as of yet, but I would like to speak with the entire crew regarding us going forward. No, yes, of course. Uh, and he looks a bit up, I don't know, just a bit like overwhelmed. If you wish to remain as Tibble's carer here in Angathia, I will not stand in your way. Would I still have a job? The beauty of being interim captain is I am not granted the ability to fire people. I also do not have the ability to promote people. However, and Neris is going to reach into his pocket and pull out six gold and pass it over to Alton. So this is not much. However, in the last three days you have... I believe exceeded your role as a simple medic, so I have taken the liberty on marking you down as receiving the pay of Polaris first medic. Thanks, it's a start. Have you docked any of Sears pay? Sorry, probably not under your responsibilities, but thank you. Six gold back in the day, I would have been dreaming of that. Oh. Actually, all those jokes about uh, mutiny in the past, you do know that they were jokes, right? I was joking. Just putting that out there. That is very good to know. Thank you. And Neris will very quickly address the crew of the Polaris. Neris is going to be talking about, for the time being, Neris has take an emergency command while Tibble is unable to perform the role of captain. We're here in Ankathir for the captain's health and resupply. 
and we will assess our future plans moving forward after we realise everything that's going on with the captain. He will also mention that, as I'm sure everyone is aware, Janus has returned to the Polaris, and he uses those exact words. And Janus will be working alongside Tim and Florette, going back up to the capacity that he once was. He will also mention, as an aside at the end, if anyone has any questions or concerns, please come directly to Neris. And that will be all. Would he have requested for Kara to be there? He would have told... He would have requested those on board the Polaris to be present for a staff update. During this meeting, since Neres was not clear to Janice about what would be happening, if anyone casts their gaze over him, he again has this very guarded expression. As this disperses, he would try to catch all of the deck crew that he would have worked with very closely, including Tim and Florette. Ah, oh, can we all speak for a moment? That was much of a surprise to me as it was to the rest of you. Of course, you can all speak to me as you wish. But I wish to speak to my old friends, crews, compatriots again. I wanted to, I suppose, address what has happened on my end. I was given a task, and I felt I had no other option. I can only apologize and swear to regain the trust of those who seek loyalty and repentance to the crew I was taken from, and I will work every day to make sure that I will return your loyalty. Tim and Florette, I appreciate the efforts you have made in my absence. Right now, I firmly believe my place is here. If there are concerns, I am happy to face these. And then, almost like his tone sort of shifts, kind of does like sort of a half turn, and he says, Also, I apologize, Narafoy. It was three days ago, I reckon, your birthday. I will see if I can get a present to make up for it. And he's guarding this, like, large, half-giant figure who um, would be part of the deck crew as well. And he does look genuinely apologetic, but he does grin his big, bright, warm smile. And he just nods, I will do all I can. I think the general reaction, there's a bit of tentativeness because of the nature of your return. But the crew seems to be willing to welcome you back into the fold with open arms. Then the Janice will turn. All right, catch me up. Now that everyone is starting to filter off the Polaris and we don't have any sort of rigid roles anymore, Neris is going to probably go down below deck and will sort of go into his office and like have a little bit of a look around. His shoulders kind of slump a little bit and he's just going to just sit at his desk, just rub his eyes and his temples and probably this is the first opportunity that he's had to stop for the last couple of days and he knows that there's a lot more that needs to be done but he's just allowing himself this little moment. So he's just taking 20 minutes just to himself. Uh, come in. The very large forward Janice looks at his... Ah, not too busy, I hope. No, what can I help you with? Ah, well, I was wondering if you needed to report about the Sin Seekers at all. 
now that we have fully docked, if I am able to acquire this particular item that I am thinking of, and time is no longer of the essence, I would love a detailed report of the Sin Seekers. Of course, you can send there watching this then. It is what I would do. He just nods. Then it will wait. I do have another personal matter. And he looks around uneasily and then takes out some folded up papers. He walks over very easily to where the desk is and leans one hand down and then holds out the papers to Neros. Neros will pause for a moment and then reach out and grab them and read what these forms are. They are the shore leave application forms, which have been adjusted. He was meant to be going on shore leave in less than a month. He has now applied for the next available opportunity, which is in a little while. I believe I filled it all out correctly, as I've not been away that long after all, so... Thank you for this. I will look over these forms and I'm sure everything will be fine. He just nods curtly. Again, it's that same very carefully schooled expression, but his, the tremor's a bit more visible again. Good. I'll leave that with you then. How are you doing after all this? I'm not sure. This is not a position that I have wanted to be in. Jonas looks around, probably sees a little stool. Nero's originally offered the rent. Is that still present in his room? There is a little footstool in the corner, yes. He just grabs that and sits down and leans both of his hands on the edge of the desk and just looks at him expectantly. I have watched many a captain in my time. I learn whatever I can from them. Everyone captains differently. Some of them do a wonderful job. Some of them barely stay afloat. I know that I'm not going to be here for a long time. But I still want to do what is right. Right for the whole crew? Or right for some? Many captains have different points of view. I've sailed under many in my time. So you have? So have you, from what I heard. We never did get that drink together. We did not. Perhaps um, when we are both less burdened, we can sort something out. Of course. Are you concerned about being a good captain then? Or are you interested in making your mark with the time you have? What I want is to be the best captain that no one will remember. (laughs) So, Lanty, why would you want no one to remember you? I do not wish to be the centre of attention. It is not something that I have ever aspired to be. I have always wanted to be efficient, but from a distance. You've never wanted to be the dazzling sunset on the horizon. That's what I want. That's what I would be if I was temporary captain. You wish to operate from a distance? I wish to be good at my job and then forgotten. I do wonder why. Perhaps when we get that drink. Perhaps. No, as I must ask, by the way. Have you seen the captain or Kara since that day? I can't personally bring myself to for reasons I'm sure you can understand. I have not. But you are okay. I know you've known them for a long time, but we started on the ship around the same time. And you soared very quickly. I assumed that you were all very close. I care very much for Tibble, of course. So I care very much for Kara. We have had many good laughs, after all. 
with Tibble, not as much with Kara, of course. We're not really the same sorts of people, and I still can't communicate with her as well as I would like. I just wanted to see if you were all right. And my apologies, I know how frustrating it is when people keep asking you that when you're not, and don't have the time to unpack why. Captain Clover and Kara. They're not the normal peoples that I would wish to hang out with. However, seven years ago they saved my life. Really? I was in a dark place. They pulled me out. So I I know that I know that Captain Tibble is not everybody's ideal captain, but I just want to do everything that I can to... I want him to survive. And I want to do everything I can to ensure that his ship, his crew, are well looked after. Whether they like me as captain or not, I want them to have the best chance of safety and survival. I think that's an admirable trait. Good traits of a captain, good traits of a good quartermaster as well. If you need time, I'm sure they will understand. We don't have any time, Janice. I know, but to always keep moving forward. Oh, we don't have any time. What do you mean? I saw myself. In a, a vision? In an hourglass. I failed. I failed myself, I failed my crew. I might have failed the world. And when was this? A week. Maybe more, maybe less. I see. Well, you have dreams all the time, don't you? But is it the future? An omen or something that you can avoid? I don't know much about dreams. I craft a lot of my own, trying to find ways to make them reality. Perhaps the problem with yours is to stop it from becoming one. That's the problem. I think it already is one. And the problem is I don't know where I went wrong. But everything that I do is to avoid conflict. Maybe that is what got me into where I was in that hourglass. Perhaps it is, but rest is important sometimes. There's no point burning at both ends. Or to survive no matter what the cost, right? Otherwise you can't change anything, you can't reach the future. But if the future is failure, do we want to reach it? <laughs> I've seen enough of failure for it to last a lifetime, and I'm still here. Things can always change. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> let me know how my application goes. If you require anything else of me, interim captain, please let me know. That will be all. Thank you. Will it? All right then. <sighs> Maybe I'll catch you later. And then stands up and then leaves the office. And I think that is where we're going to leave it for this week. Thanks for listening. Okey-dokey. See you next week. Getting very interesting. Thank everyone. See you next time. See you next week. Bye. 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 Go Alton going for the throat. Yeah, geez, okay, Alton. You're oh, on fired on board, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I find it so funny that Rue isn't a doctor. Oh, yeah, no, Rue's not yeah. a doctor. <laughs> Medic should go for the kill. <laughs>